Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to a brand new season of the Donut Racing Show, everybody, where we bring a cheap beer mindset to the champagne popping podium of Formula One racing my name is nolan sykes i'm joined by my two favorite motor journalists we've got elizabeth blackstock hello hello and sitting next to me in los angeles is alanis king hi guys how was your break we've been we've been off the air for a little while now elizabeth tell me tell me about going to formula e yeah formula e loves me so much they had me out to mexico city for the season opener of gen 3 uh, as a vip so i got the swankiest treatment ever ate a lot of food and saw race car which was great wow that's amazing i am actually in los angeles because my husband and i decided to fly out here we flew basic economy we brought all of our stuff in backpacks and we walked from the airport to the hotel because we we're so cheap we went to the nascar clash best decision of my life i had so much fun i was like 20 feet away from wiz khalifa and i convinced Denny Hamlin to let me change tires for him at the Bristol Dirt NASCAR race. So we're going to hope that pans out. That's going to be great. Yeah, great event. I was uh, on a plane yesterday, last night, uh, from Alabama. I did the 24 Hours of Lemons at Barber Motorsport Park. I'm very tired, but I'm, I'm powering through for this, uh, this season debut here. I'm very excited. If you're going to do lemons, make sure your car has a a fuel uh, meter so you, you don't run out of gas on the final lap of the race. Ouch. Yes. Oof. Rough. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, tuning back into the Donut Racing Show. I'm so stoked to, to be back on the air, baby, for another season of Formula One. And we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming this season. We use this break to retool the show a little bit. We're back with a weekly ever-changing format, and we're really excited to dive deeper into this season of Formula One. This week, we're going to talk about a few things that happened over the offseason, like the wild team principal change-ups, and then we'll get to Formula One's relationship with social media. After that, we're going to close it with the hottest, freshest, and most exciting topic ever. 
Regulation changes. Love yes. it. Oh, yeah. love rules. I love rules and technology, <laughs> and it is not boring at all. The better the rules, the better the racing. More thanks to debate. We need more rules. We need people to go off of track limits and for us yes. to debate if it was track limits or not for an hour. Because that's. I want to get my ruler out. Yeah. Oh, get <laughs> that ruler out. <laughs> all right. First up. We're talking about Ferrari here a little bit. Mattia Bonotto, Ferrari's team principal, resigned in November. The glasses are gone. Oh, no. awful. It's, I'm actually really sad. Me too. I kind of got to I got to like the man. I got to like him too. And I also, I think it's really funny that you can make any meme a Ferrari meme by just putting round glasses <laughs> on the, the participants in the meme. And I can't do that anymore because we don't have Mattia. We've been, we've been robbed. We've been robbed. Honestly, we've been robbed of content. Yes, yeah, he did try to switch up the, the frames. Uh, in like the closing races of the season, he switched them up from Absolutely more terrible. square. It didn't, didn't work. work. Nope. Uh, man, you don't know what you got until it's gone, huh? No, anyway, uh, <laughs> Mattia Bonotto was replaced by Alfa Romeo boss Frederick Vosser. Interestingly, Vosser's title is team principal and general manager, but Bonotto was team principal and managing director. So uh, this suggests that Ferrari CEO Benedetto Vigna may play a more influential role in Formula One. So that's kind of interesting there. The big boss is getting in because the, the race team's a hot mess. Well, I think I think this is an interesting discussion because Ferrari is pinning kind of its existence and its failures on Mattia Bonotto. And we're like, let's get him out and we will be a functioning race team that is not a disaster. And that it's really interesting how that ties in with meme culture and kind of meme culture about Mattia Bonotto in some way influenced him leaving Ferrari because everything kind of got pinned on him at the end, which I guess if you're the boss, it gets pinned on you anyway, but it's not just him. There are a bunch of people. We've seen this problem multiple times at Ferrari's with its Formula One team. Like Bonotto replaced Maurizio Rivabene, who had the same problem where all of the team's problems were just centered on this one man and like getting rid of him was supposed to solve everything. It really didn't. It got a lot worse. So... Maybe Frederick Vasseur will have something else to bring to the team that we haven't had by rapidly changing team principles for the past multiple years. Fred, make sure every single pit stop you have four tires. So in a Formula One car, that is key. Oof, yeah. there are four yeah. wheels, okay? Four tires. Don't come out there with three. No. Nope. This is not a Morgan three-wheeler. This is a Formula One car. <laughs> Don't go out there with five. You're wasting energy. Don't go out there with energy. five. You're wasting a wheel. You're wasting energy. Yeah. We need to be efficient. We run hybrids in this series. Four is good. I think Jeremy Clarkson was kind of spot on. He said that when Ferrari is making boring, bad cars, the F1 team is good. Mm -hmm, and vice mm -hmm. versa. When they're making great cars, the F1 team is bad. And mm -hmm. I'm no automotive journalist like you guys. Maybe oh. you can lend some more insight. But, like, their current cars, like the SF90, mm -hmm. And I don't really know the other cars because they're all so expensive that I don't really pay attention. We don't pay attention but they're to them. good. They're not right? for us. Yeah, they're not for me. So those are great cars, mm -hmm. and the F1 team is not great. Well, I think the most interesting thing about Ferrari is that Ferrari is so, we've talked about this, Ferrari is so serious about its branding. Like it will go after owners legally for misrepresenting its branding yeah. and like posing with women in front of these cars and Ferrari's like I don't like that that's not tasteful Ferrari also will not make you a pink car from the factory because Ferrari doesn't like pink wah, because wah. yeah there, where's our want want sound um pink oh there we it is we have a soundboard now that's we another change yes. 
Um, Ferrari won't make you a pink car from the factory because pink has cooties. Gross. Yet, <laughs> we will have this Formula One team fart around on the track for a whole year and completely embarrass the Ferrari name. And Ferrari's like, yep, that's an investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never buy one. As you, you know what, much. Nolan? Uh, I think you've got yeah. the money to do it. <laughs> I do not. And <laughs> that is so unfortunate that you're never going to use your money on a Ferrari. Yeah. No, I, I, I would if I could. Uh, anyway, speaking of Italian F1 teams, Alfa Romeo uh, now has former McLaren team principal Andreas Seidel on board as new team principal. Seidel started his career, worked with B- uh, BMW F1, then left F1 with BMW to manage their DTM team, the German Touring Car Championship. He then moved on to be the director of race operations for Porsche's LMP1 program, and then in 2019 was brought on by McLaren. So he's been there for a few years, has a lot of experience in motorsport, and now has a few seasons of F1 under his belt at McLaren, now at Alfa Romeo. Kind of mixed results at McLaren, Mm -hmm. but I think it is a step up for Alfa Romeo. I think it's kind of interesting when you consider Formula One team principles. It's kind of like the Red Bull team and the Alpha Tower team. Red Bull's the senior team, Alpha mm-hmm. Tower is the junior team. You know, when mm. the driver doesn't do as well, they get demoted. When they do better, they get promoted. Formula One, you're just kind of trading team principles. It's like, <laughs> you know, if you do really be- well at like a less good team, you're moving up. If you do really poorly at a good team, you're moving down. It's literally well. a ladder. Yeah, there's not too many people in the world that can do this sort of job anyway, so the talent pool... Have we allowed random people to do this? This goes back to our discussion of giving a random person a button to turn on the sprinklers well, at the racetrack. Talking about... Let him do it. You mentioned Maurizio Rivabene over at Ferrari. He was the head of Marlboro for like a decade before getting the job at Ferrari, you know? But he was like brand relations with Ferrari. He was spearheaded that. And then they're like, hey, you're a good manager. Have you ever considered race cars? So I think that's as close as that to a random person as we can get, maybe. I mean, honestly, I think we are not trialing enough new people out. (laughs) I think you should just pick a random person from Twitter and see how they do. Just like uh, that that scene in uh, Batman with Bane at the stadium. Anyway, uh, over at McLaren, CEO Zach Brown promoted executive director of racing Andreas Stella to team principal. Stella has a Ph.D. in mechanical engineering. Uh, and started as a performance engineer with Ferrari's test team. Um, He was part of uh, Kimi's team when he won the World Drivers' Championship over in 2015. He became the head of race operations at McLaren, and then, uh, yeah, 2019 promoted to executive director of racing, and now he is the team principal. Lando Norris is still on the team, but now we got Oscar Piastri. So it'll be interesting to see how a new team principal handles the new team lineup with two young drivers who uh, are both very, very good. Obviously, Lando probably considers himself the number one driver still. It's going to be fun to see him uh, navigate that, and we'll see how Oscar Piastri uh, handles the pressure there too. So this will be a fun little thing to watch, fun little dynamic. I I completely agree. I think every Formula One season is very much a wild card until you get to the end of the first race. You never know what's going to happen. You never know kind of who's going to shake out on top when you have someone new there. Mm -hmm. You don't know how the teams are. Because we would have gone into last year thinking Mercedes was going to compete and Lewis Hamilton was going to come back and compete for his eighth title. And they come out two races in, we know that this is going to be bad. Mm -hmm. So two races in, I think we're going to get a lot of information about the Lando-Oscar relationship Mm -hmm. and kind of see who's 
Who's dominating? Who's on top? Yeah, I mean, Lando hasn't been challenged too hard by his teammates in past seasons, I would say. It'll be it'll be interesting if if Piastri comes out guns blazing, really pushes it. That's going to be fun to watch. So Completely agree. We'll see how. I think the fascinating part here is that Alfa Romeo has a team principal named Andreas and McLaren has one named Andrea. Yeah. And neither of them are women. I think I should I should just go and do it. <laughs> Over at Williams, after two seasons, Williams team principal Joost Capito is out and mm. James Vowles former Mercedes strategy chief is in since Yost was 64 and Williams brought him out of retirement to run things. This should be a big change up for the team. Viles has worked at the Brackley based operation for 21 years. He joined as an engineer with British American racing and stayed on with Honda racing F1. He was promoted to race strategist at Braun GP and then stayed on when they became Mercedes in 2010. His role was originally strategy, but he's in Toto's inner circle and was instrumental in determining the future for the team. So the only direction with Williams is up. Because they're at the bottom already. <laughs> they're at the literal bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I mean, bottom of the barrel, last in the standings. I think statistically, you can't really do anything but go up or stay where you're at. In the court of public opinion and like the connotation of Williams, you can go down. That is completely possible. It is like bottomless, uh, like bottomless, what's it called? Tortilla chips or anything? <laughs> like whatever you get at the freaking restaurant. I don't know. I only go to Chili's. They don't have bottomless chips. <laughs> they do have bottomless chips, actually. Uh, you know. I don't know where this analogy is going, but <laughs> Williams, you know, obviously very storied team. Everyone's kind of rooting for them to to get back up on their feet. Uh, yeah, the only practical ways that they could go down, like you said, Alanis, is like hiring a driver like uh, Nikita Mazepin or getting a, uh, a really terrible sponsor that I won't mention because maybe I mentioned someone that wants to sponsor the show. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rich Energy, please sponsor yeah, the show. Rich Energy comes back from the dead and uh, sponsors the team. That's the only way that uh, I guess public sentiment could be negatively affected around Williams. I'm excited to see how Mr. Vowles uh, That was beautiful. Nolan. I'm just wow. imagining a Incredible. very British villain. I think this was one of the bigger, like, more surprising news stories that came out. Like, we were ever, I think everyone was kind of expecting a lot of the moves and changes that happened, but this one is the one that caught people off guard. I remember waking up to this news and, like, everyone on social media was just in shambles. Like, how is Williams going to do with Someone from Mercedes. We also have some real big news. It was announced on Friday afternoon that Ford is going to develop a next-gen power unit to supply Red Bull Racing and the sister team AlphaTauri from 2026 until at least 2030. But that is a whole can of worms that we're not going to get into today. So stick with us next week and we'll talk about that in more detail. I hope they put that engine in the Ford GT. Me too. <laughs> wow, that was beautiful, Nolan. Nice little nice little chime there. It was like a commercial <laughs> jingle. Um... <laughs> Hey. Oh my god, I was like, who's <laughs> laughing? It's our soundboard. Oh, I love this. Man. <laughs> this is like a sit wait, but this is like a sitcom. Like I get why they have fake laughter because it makes you feel really powerful. I like, felt so good. I was like, like yeah. yeah, like you don't that. even have to say anything funny. If like the fake people start laughing, you're like, damn, I'm funny. Wow, they're not even real. The possibilities are endless with this soundboard. This you know what? Great. I actually get the appeal of like robot technology and AI now. That was incredible. That felt real. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, we spent the whole off-season, let me tell y'all, sending each other Instagram posts from Formula One drivers and from team principals and from everything in relation to Formula One. And that introduces our next topic, which is social media in Formula One. If you've only been in Formula One for a couple years, you know, maybe you started watching it in like 2019 after Drive to Survive, it's a completely different landscape now than it was five or six years ago. So... In 2016 and before that, Formula One was kind of blacked out from the internet. You would have preseason testing. And I remember preseason testing was like finding spy shots of vehicles on the Nürburgring. You had to dig on the internet to find photos and videos of these cars on this track because teams weren't allowed to post from preseason testing. And there was a whole thing where Lewis Hamilton, he's always been pretty active on social media. He got on Snapchat in like 2016. And he was posting things from the paddock. He would post photos of drivers at press conferences with like bunny filters and deer filters and photos of himself too with all these filters on him. Bernie Ecclestone personally banned this man from using Snapchat in the paddock. And Lewis Hamilton immediately broke that rule. It was amazing. But I think the adoption of social media in Formula One shows how much of a culture shift we have had in the past six or seven years from the Bernie Ecclestone era of Formula One to the Drive to Survive and Liberty Media era of Formula One. So Bernie Ecclestone was in charge of Formula One for decades. And his big qualm with social media was that if you were sharing videos or photos, you were sharing something that essentially was taking away from the TV rights of Formula One and the broadcast rights. And Bernie Ecclestone made his fortune and made Formula One the popular sport that it is today by actively marketing those TV rights. So he had some some reason, I guess, behind why he was so uptight about it. But also, I mean, if you took a flashback to 2014, the absolute pinnacle of excitement on F1 Twitter was like the Lotus F1 team responding to Mercedes during a race. 
it was so sad. Like the F1 accounts on like Twitter had no photos. They had no videos. It was just really, really boring. They, you know, the off season would happen and it was just done. Bernie Ecclestone claimed that Liberty Media and its use of social media is running F1 like a Starbucks. I'm not quite sure what that means, but if it means we get more thirst traps, I am here for it. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it can't be understated that despite how controversial and how many horrid things Bernie Ecclestone said, he was pretty instrumental to making Formula One what it is. And He was a man who knew how to wheel and deal. Yes, he secured these lucrative worldwide TV rights for Formula One. He made it a household sport around the world. But as the years went on and he got older and crankier than he already was, um, Formula One didn't really adapt to be modern. And this adaption happened after Liberty Media acquired the series in 2016 for $4.4 A lot more money than I have. They started making things more modern. Then Drive to Survive comes out on Netflix, and Formula One drivers kind of become reality TV stars. They go from just, like, drivers of race cars who are very, very rich to actual celebrities. Like, mm-hmm. I have seen more Formula One rumors on the gossip account Dumois in the past probably two months than I had ever seen ever on Dumois. And that is very mainstream celebrity gossip. Formula One drivers are celebrities now. And the social media has adapted to accommodate that. Formula One drivers, they post thirst traps all the time. We post thirst traps of Toto Wolf all the time. (laughs) They adapt to modern social media, their teams, adapt to modern social media trends. So like take Pierre Gasly's photo dumps. And the idea of a photo dump is kind of the anti-Instagram movement where you post a very Instagram-friendly photo for your featured photo, and the rest of the photos are very casual, maybe blurry, to make yourself more relatable. So authentic. So authentic oh, and just normal. I snap these pics. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. But and they're all very carefully curated. They're all very carefully curated to make you seem interesting and relatable. <laughs> and then we go back to the fact that the featured photo is always very Instagram-friendly for your grit. So Pierre Gasly's account kind of pioneered this, and now a couple of weeks ago, we saw it with Lewis Hamilton. He posted this photo dump from his vacation, and one of the photos is him underwater, like, making a funny face with his hair everywhere. It's (laughs) kind of wild to see how these Formula One driver and team accounts have gone from blacked out, not using any of their drivers or their sport as a commodity, to drivers are a commodity, and not only are they a commodity, but we are going to angle this toward a lot of female and pop culture fans because these drivers are now just pop culture celebrities. Yeah, we can see the huge change in F1's social footprint in not only the fact that teams and the drivers themselves commodify their existences with thirst traps and photo dumps, but in the fact that there is a huge fan-generated content machine out there. I'm talking fan cams. I'm talking (laughs) photoshops. I'm talking... Memes. Yes. Uh, There are tons of Tumblr teen-esque photo edits and reels of drivers that fans post on all platforms. And hell, F1 drivers even make regular appearances on celebrity gossip accounts like Dumas, as Alanis mentioned. It is weird when you get, like, followed by people whose photo is Lewis Hamilton. And for a sec, a split sec, you're like, holy it's it's happening. Uh And then it's like, (laughs) LH44 fan. This this guy named 
on Twitter. Um, he tweets me all the time, and he will tweet me about um, my husband. He will tell me to stop posting <laughs> about my husband. And then he will DM me. He actually DMs me porn videos. Oh, and says, cool. Hi, sexy, sweet Alanis. I would like to do this to you. And his photo, his photo is Carlos Sainz. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Um, yes, I do get Actually, fan accounts. I, I'm going to interject here with one. My husband, like back in the day when your Tinder used to pull from your Facebook profile, oh, one no. of my husband's was Joseph Newgarden, the IndyCar driver. <laughs> so people used to think it, he was a beautiful, like blonde, chiseled man. He, that's not. Did that's you not think he was Joseph Newgarden? No, because I met him in person oh. before. I, not even I for knew a sec. That, you're like, oh, but, shit. Like, okay, so you didn't match with him. No, on, I wish. You didn't match with him on. No, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't match with him on Tinder, but I did see his Tinder after we first got together. And I was like, did people fall for that? And they did. Was he holding a fish on his profile? <laughs> and they did. On his, on his Tinder He was profile. not holding a fish. That would be really believable, I wish he actually. was. Super believable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, like, <laughs> Nolan talked about fan cams and reels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And. You can literally see that when you're posting about these drivers. So anytime I go to an event last year at the U.S. Grand Prix, I played ping pong with Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda, and it was hilarious. I was posting photos and videos from this, and all of a sudden you have thousands of likes, and you have all of these fan accounts sharing these photos and just, like, credit Alanis King. And, like, tons of people responding to it, and they're, like, commenting on how Yuki is standing or what Pierre is doing, and... It goes everywhere. It is this organic, this huge organic content machine and just network of people. It's weird. Because yeah. it feels like in 2020 and 2021, the F1 super fan community was still like trying to figure out how to be a community. And it, was, it almost felt a little forced. Mm -hmm. But now it does feel like the cues have been, have been established. Mm -hmm. The, the mm -hmm. etiquette has been established. And now it's mm -hmm. like, oh, it is like a real community now. Uh, both the positives and negatives uh, come along with that, I think, in terms of... I was, I've was i been wondering how many of these newer fans have come from other fandoms who are trying yep. to piece yes, together the way like. that they talk yeah. to each yep. other. Because, like, you've got, like, you know, the Taylor Swift fandom Harry has Styles. its own language and their own style. It, Harry Styles has its own fandom, BTS. Um, like, all of these different ways that people interact. There, There's a thread that runs through that's very similar, but they're so distinct. Um, it's really been interesting to watch the way that people try to mesh together because um, I don't know I think I'm kind of like sarcastic on the yep. internet and there's so many people who are very um, like straightforward and genuine and yeah no sarcasm yes genuine yeah yeah and they're like oh I didn't like I didn't realize that was a joke I'm like I don't ever take anything <laughs> I say seriously Same. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so I think there's an interesting conversation to be had here before we finish this topic on the fact that since Drive to Survive, there have been a lot of discussions of new Formula One fans and kind of like mm -hmm. this tier of Formula One fans, like your pre-Drive to Survive people who know mm -hmm. everything and the technical stuff and the history, and your new Drive to Survive people who are just like, oh, I like F1 drivers because they're cute little boys. Like, you know, <laughs> and there are these roots of sexism in it because it's like all these women just like Formula One because they like all these cute drivers they saw on a reality TV mm -hmm. show. But when you think about reality TV and pop culture and kind of catering to a more feminine or more modern younger gaze, Think about the things that we talked about all off season. We have a group chat with Donut Racing Show, and it's five of us, three women, two men. 
the entire off season, all we did was send each other like thirst traps and jokes and pop of the drivers, the drivers of the drivers, (laughs) not ourselves. Um, Even though I do love posting thirst traps, hundred percent, I agree. Of the drivers. And the entire offseason, all we did was talk about the pop culture threads in Formula One because that is compelling. And no matter what you think of it, whether you think it's like drive to survive, whether you think it's feminine, whether you think it's like young and immature, it is what gets people talking often more so than the racing quality and anything like that. We talk about people because we are inherently interested in people and pop culture and reality TV focuses on people no matter how like genuine those depictions are it is people and that is what is most inherently interesting to us because we are also people on that note like we talked about the community kind of like piecing together other fandoms into its own thing like it also goes to the drivers as well they're trying to figure out how to be public facing i guess in a way that appeals to those communities and that's why we're seeing like the ice bath photos i think and like i was i was a tumblr teen at one point, running a fan blog for race car drivers in the 1970s. Yeah, I like, know. Never <laughs> like, would have thought I, I, I got so into it. And I think, like, and here I am now, like, Alanis and I have written a book about this. I think there's so much value to be gained from these new perspectives on, on how we're looking at the sport. Yeah, there's so much value. And there's so much about it that's compelling. And I really enjoy it. And I'm so glad that we've taken this lens to Formula One. Because it expands Formula One and racing in general past just the cars and the driving and Mm -hmm. it makes it more people-centric and i think everything is more interesting when it's (laughs) people-centric we are going to do a 180 away from the people of the sport to the regulations we had a huge huge regulation change in 2022 so coming into this year we're essentially just having a series of little refinements. Um, i am not going to walk you through these slightly larger rearview mirrors Respectfully, the FIA can deal with that part. Uh, We're going to talk about four of the bigger rule changes that I think are actually relevant, especially based on the things that we saw playing out last year, such as our first topic, which is F1 trying to get rid of porpoising. So last year, essentially, as a driver drove his car, uh, he was buffeted by wind. This is a big problem, especially with Mercedes. Uh, They were just being horrifyingly jostled. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No one no one needs that. Well it also had to do with like the ground effect underneath the car like Mm -hmm. constantly engaging and disengaging, right? Like the the suction to the ground. Exactly. Was very erratic. Yeah, so this year shaking y'all around. Shaking me like a baby doll. (laughs) So the FIA and Formula One are trying to get rid of porpoising by raising the car's floor edges and the diffuser throat. If you know nothing about engineering, basically this is just to give air a little bit easier path around the car so it's not hitting it and causing those ground effects to start suctioning and desuctioning. Uh, It should theoretically make things more stable and the air shouldn't be just smacking relentlessly into the car. And hopefully F1 won't have to deal with like lawsuits around CTE in like 15, 20 years. I mean, Lewis was, like, so affected by it after one race that he couldn't even get up off the floor. Um, I remember George how Russell gingerly like, he got out of the car after yeah. that one race. Like, he, mm-hmm. like I think someone maybe, like, maybe someone helped him. I don't remember, but he got out of the car so slowly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he was so upset about his back, which, I mean, re- realistically so. Like, it makes sense. Like, if yeah. you're just, like, going, oh, the whole race. 
I'm no expert, but you don't want that. Our next big tech change that we're we're facing this year are changes in the roll hoop design. So if you remember last year, the scariest crash we really saw, I uh, was at the British Grand Prix. At the start of that race, Zhou Guan Yu flipped his Alfa Romeo. Um, it flipped upside down, but the issue is that the roll hoop actually got caught in the sand trap, which then launched the car into the air and it hit the catch fence and then tucked itself behind the tire barriers. So they it was wedged in there and they had to fish him out. The FIA is trying now to make things a little bit safer by rounding the roll hoop at the top. Theoretically, that will help uh, get that. It will prevent it from digging into the ground should we have another instance where that takes place. This is still something that's being tested and changed, though, as the year goes on. Um, it's kind of difficult to test a Formula One car going upside down uh, in real life without actually damaging multi-million dollar vehicles. So we're working off of uh, engineering mock-ups and models. So hopefully we won't see anything like that. Formula One is doubling down on sprint races this uh, year. We're going from three to six sprint uh, races this year. Nolan, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, so, okay, sorry, continue. We will we'll have these sprint races in Baku, Austria, Belgium, Qatar, Austin, and Sao Paulo. I'm hit or miss, but I'm actually kind of stoked to see one in real life because I will theoretically be at the U.S. Grand Prix since they live down the road. Um, okay, so many people, when this announcement was made, we're so upset and like to me if i'm getting more racing i i've said this before if i'm getting more racing i am entertained and i understand often the issue with sprint races is the fact that you do qualifying all these drivers sometimes they land in random spots mm -hmm. sometimes kevin magnuson gets the pole yeah. it's kind of wild but when the actual race happens they move into their normal positions. You know, the fastest cars get to the front, the middle cars go to the middle, and the slowest cars go to the back. You in this sprint race, where you finish in the sprint race is where you start in the big race. And that makes a lot of people mad because they're like, the big race starts and there's no change up because the fastest cars in the actual racing scenario are already in the right yeah. spot it, it on the starting grid. like takes the wind out of qualifying. I it don't know. Does. I don't know. I kind of like having qualifying on a Friday. It's like fun to watch that while I'm at work. I will admit, at the other, I'm like on the other hand, though, the interesting part of a Formula One race largely comes into play with tire strategy. That's when things get exciting. Like we have to kind of have that technical element now. And a sprint race is just a race up to the first tire stop. Essentially, perhaps we could spice things up in a new way. It's hard to uh, for me to kind of articulate why it just doesn't feel right to me. Like I like. Maybe I just don't like that it's different. Like I, I like waking up on Saturday morning. <laughs> okay, Bernie no, Ecclestone. I'm just saying, like I, you know, we've been doing, you know, doing. I've been watching since 2014. I like waking up on Saturday morning, watching qualifying, and then Sunday morning watching the race. Nolan's like, I live on the West Coast, and I, I love to wake up at 3 a.m. and watch qualifying. <laughs> yeah, and I do like not like to wake up yeah. at 3 a.m. and watch a sprint race. I'm know, gonna just, sleep in. I just haven't. <laughs> There hasn't been like a sprint race yet in my There hasn't opinion. been a good one. There hasn't been a good one. I think that's the problem. Is it's like there hasn't been uh, they, they, they haven't shown me a sprint race where I've been like, "Oh, I'm sold." It's just like, okay, it's like another race that kind of like undermines qualifying and it just feels weird. I'm stoked to see it in person to see if there is a vibe shift that's tangibly happening at the track that you can experience when you're there because I 
I mean, Formula One, I will admit, can be boring to watch it when you're watching on TV. But when you're there in person, it's like, this is the most exciting race ever uh, because you're there. You're physically in that spot. So I think maybe I, I want to evaluate it from that perspective and maybe I'll have like a softer spot for them in the future. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not getting my hopes up. So I'm at the donut <laughs> studio right now. And I just looked up while Elizabeth and Nolan were talking about sprint races in Formula One. And I conveniently saw a racing seat on the shelf with a skeleton in it. Oh, yeah. And that is me <laughs> when I'm listening to people complain about sprint racing. <laughs> I am dead in a racing seat. I'm a skeleton. Because, hear me out, you're mad at sprint races for being, like, the result of the actual races. Like, what happens in a sprint race, you're mad because that is what's going to happen in the big race. It's true. No, it's gonna I'm happen mad. anyway. No, I'm, that is true. I'm, I'm getting, true. I'm gonna get fired up on this. Oh, okay. I'm, are we, what are we I'm gonna fight? About? I'm already the dead skeleton. In I am gonna, seat, f- so I'm I'll not fist fighting. fight. It's a good thing I'm not no. there. It's a good well, thing I'm not there. I mean, look, I'd be it probably down. makes, it probably makes the tracks more money because more people show up on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's probably good mm-hmm. for the sport. It's just I haven't seen a very good sprint race. But this is what's gonna happen Again, in the like big race. That is my criticism. It's even, it's less the fact that like the result is the exact same that you would see. It's just like. They took out the interesting part of the race to get to that point. Like, if I'm going to watch a Red Bull driver win, I at least want to see some, like, strategy. You don't want to watch him get a medal I don't just want to watch him. I don't want to just watch Max Verstappen lead from start to finish because there wasn't a pit stop. Listen, Elizabeth, if you didn't want to watch Max Verstappen lead from start to finish, then you would obviously sabotage the car or the track in some way. And you don't feel strongly enough about that to do that. So I don't want to hear your complaints. (laughs) Okay. Well, sprint races are here to stay, obviously. We got one more rule here. Uh Uh-oh. And this one is one One final rule. It is is the one. Uh, The FIA has ruled that there will be no, quote, political, religious, or personal statements, unquote, without permission from the FIA. Basically, if you say anything that can be construed as anything but PR speak regarding your literal job on the race, on the track as a race car driver, you probably have to ask the FIA for permission to say it. And I think we should note, uh, I think we should note that this applies for, like, track activities only, so outside of the track. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they mm-hmm. want. But during race weekends, this is basically governing people wearing protest, quote unquote, protest shirts, you know, mm-hmm. like Sebastian Vettel. We had Sebastian Vettel last yes. year who had a lot of his climate change awareness T-shirts. Yes, and pride uh, shirts. And then and there was like change, that. gay yes. rights. I think it's pretty clear mm-hmm. what, yeah, what, what we're What we're mandating rule. against. Yes, mm-hmm. like. It's just not a coincidence in some of the countries that we race in. Yes. And some of the statements that have been made by these drivers are not in uh, agreement with each other. And I think um, the FIA is afraid of the money walking away. Well, I also think this was very convenient timing for the FIA because when you think about it, let's think about the three drivers who kind of led the charge on this kind of thing last year. Lewis Hamilton. It's always been Lewis Hamilton. Sebastian Vettel. Mm And to an extent, Mm -hmm. Mick Schumacher. Two of those Mm -hmm. people are now not on the grid anymore. We have one left, and it's Lewis. And Lewis, his entire career, has been a target of these subjective regulations. Um, So I was going to say, back in 2020, they literally made a rule because he wore a T-shirt on the podium that said, arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. And they now have a rule specifically mandating against that, that you have to have your race suit zipped up. Yes. 
So it, it's it's pretty obvious what this is mandating against. I think the thing that I find most fascinating is that FIA President Mohammed bin Suleim is very mm. vocal about his own personal which opinions and his own takes on Twitter, which they're not great. Like they're not they're not great. But I it's fascinating that he sees that as apolitical or appropriately political. Where we're you know it's something like Sebastian Vettel's. Miami will be flooded t-shirts um, that are like, not okay. man, you know, I was so excited coming into this episode. I was like, man, F1 rules. But I think like stuff, not literally <laughs> F1 rules regulations. I am I'm so saying, like, excited it's to great. talk about, but F1 it's like, rules. this is the part of the show where I remember the uh, negative parts of mm-hmm. being an F1 fan where it's like, man, how do you reconcile loving watching cars go around a track? And also the, uh, uh, bad things that the sport is associated with um, but I, so i also think wise. i also think that sports are not their leadership sports are everything that goes on in that sport and yes formula 1's leadership makes bad decisions and they prevent drivers from doing overall good things that make fans feel welcomed and included and that sucks but at its core, a sport is everyone who makes up that sport. And I think it's still really cool that we have drivers fighting to do these things and also other people in the sport fighting to do these things. And you can make generalizations and be like, Formula One races in oppressive countries and they make rules against displays of inclusivity and, you know, fights for people's rights. But Formula One is not that. Formula One is everyone trying to... Either do the right thing or not do the right thing. And it's a mix of both. Not nothing is one or the other. So we have to appreciate we have to appreciate what exists and like the movements that are made while also recognizing that these rule changes are bad. You can make a lot of assumptions about different sports. And a lot of people, when I tell them how much I love NASCAR, they're just like, oh, NASCAR, you know, Southern, not progressive, all of this stuff. But I have so many friends in NASCAR and I know so many people in NASCAR who are progressive and do fight for people's rights and like drivers included. And again, sports are not just black and white and they're not just what their leadership does or what their most vocal figures do. They're all of these things. And you can appreciate the good while also critiquing the bad. And that is how we get places. Very well said. On that heavy note, it's time for Boyfriend of the Off-Season. Yeah! Hey, Boyfriend of the Week. It's our recurring segment where we acknowledge who's the best. It's genderless. It can be anybody. It can be driver. It can be car, team lead, someone online with a nice take. It could be that fourth tire that yeah. Carlos Sainz never got. You get the picture. Who's Ouch. good enough to be our boyfriend? Remember, this is middle school rules, everybody. I think I've got I've got one. Go for it, okay. Nolan. Is it McLaren? No, my boyfriend okay. of the week is the entire Red Bull F1 team. Uh, they revealed their livery Ooh, and okay. car with their new partner, Ford. And uh, it was just exact. It was the same cars last year. I, hats off to them. They never change it. It's so, yeah, it's red. People getting mad like, man, why'd they do that? You know, it's like, it's. They do it every year. They, it's not a race recognition. They every year, guys. And you know what? What's amazing is every year they do the, the like, teaser livery. It's so funny. And it's, like, this really cool thing. Mm. I don't know why it's a teaser livery. It doesn't tease anything. No, it's cool. Uh, I think it was really funny how mad people got at that. And uh, hats off to, to Red Bull for doing it again. It's, they're going to get us every year. People are going to get mad every year about it. <laughs> they're not going to show off their brand new car nope. like months before the first test session. Like, 
Come on, guys. Nope. That's not how the sport works. Anyway. Elizabeth, who's your boyfriend of the week? My boyfriend of the week is Tiffany Cromwell, Damn. Valtteri Bottas' girlfriend, because she's been posting some fabulous Valtteri content. Uh, she, she She's responsible for giving us this man's bare, bare butt <laughs> multiple times for showing off his beautiful mullet. Is this going to be the year he goes full frontal? Please, for the love of God, let it be this <laughs> just, year. Just, we just need to get there because we know we're getting there. Like, let's just do it. I, I, the, the anticipation is killing me, me. Just whip it out. Just whip it out. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> this is going great. Valtteri posting <laughs> nudes on Maine. I read that they're going to start letting you post nipples on Instagram. He it's already does that. I got to mark that on my calendar for my own grid there post. There we go. Uh, <laughs> no, Nolan, it can't be the grid post. It has to be tucked in there so it's relatable. Oh, yeah, like, it's it has right. to be relatable. Oh, no. no. No one's posting nipples no. on Maine. <laughs> but you're, you're tucking but deep those in the, the photo album. Now. Yeah, we can put it yeah. in the album. Slide um, nine or ten. So yep. my boyfriend of the off season, I'm going to wrap it back around to Red Bull, but I'm not doing Red Bull as a whole. I am doing the cloud of uncertainty over Red Bull because all I have thought about since Red Bull brought Daniel Ricardo on is the fact that Red Bull swaps drivers so fast Ooh. and so easily. We have seen mid-season swaps so many times. We have seen Pierre and Alex Albon get traded up and down and in and out because Red Bull, once they have you, they will do whatever they want. They will bring you up to Red Bull, down to Alpha Tauri, out, in. Now, it is very convenient that Red Bull hired Daniel Ricciardo right as Checo was kind of getting mad at Max and Max was not doing team orders for Checo after Max won the championship. So think about this. We have this fully ready... Formula One driver who has done Formula One for years sitting on the sidelines ready to play backup as a threat to tell Checo to stay in line or we will swap your ass out so fast you will be done. There is such a cloud over this team. Is your boyfriend of the off-season conspiracy Yes, corner? it is. <laughs> okay, listen. Listen, no one's going to say it, but I will say it. In Austria... When they swap out Checo after Checo does not do team orders for Max because he's pissed off about something, and they swap in Daniel Ricciardo, and the whole world is like, oh, my goodness, I never saw this coming. I did. <laughs> you did? I did. And Checo does, and Christian Horner does, and it is a threat. Wow. And that mm, is my boyfriend of the offseason. Wow. Thank you so much. The cloud. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I did not think of it. Thank you again, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Donut Racing Show. We're back. We're going weekly. Woo We've added weekly. it to our workload. <laughs> We're doing it, though. I'm excited. This has been really fun. Uh, can't wait for the racing to start. It's going to still be a few more weeks. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about the new 2023 car launches and the wild and strange history of Formula One sponsorships. That's right. Some 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 nutritional value in there for you. We love that. <laughs> we have got plenty to cover before the start of the season, such as will Valtteri go full frontal? <laughs> will Daniel Ricardo replace Checo before the season even starts? Who will try to break this political rule before it's even a thing? Please subscribe. Tell your friends to tune in. And if you want to leave us a five-star and kindly worded review, it really helps us out. If you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel as well as another automotive history podcast called Pass Gas. So make sure you go check those out. Uh, you can follow us, Donut Racing Show, at Donut Racing Show on Twitter. 
Uh, you can follow Alanis on Twitter and Instagram at Alanis N. King. You can follow Nolan on Twitter and Instagram with, at Nolan J. Sykes. And you can follow me on Twitter at Eliz underscore Blackstock or Instagram at Eliz A. Blackstock. All right. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>